Welcome to Solutions from the Huddle, where we discuss meaningful business topics to add value to your efforts. Titus Bartolotta is a certified business coach that's often hired for one-on-one coaching, corporate training, and speaking engagements. Now, here's your host, Titus Bartolotta. All right, this is Solutions from the Huddle. I'm your host, Titus Bartolotta. I am so grateful that you have decided to tune in. Uh, I mean, there's only 4 million other things that you could be doing with your life right now, but you are here. Uh, We're coming to you from the Queen City right here, Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, And I'm excited to have our guest today. Uh, We have somebody that's really, really special. If you are a regular of the show, you already know that we don't play around. I mean, we bring successful folks onto this program and we uh, we have done just that. We start our show the same way every time and we do it in prayer. So if you're driving, don't be cute. Don't be trying to close your eyes while you're driving in the radio right now, okay? Keep them wide open. Uh, But we just want to pray real quick. Lord, we give you glory and honor for all things, our guests, our sponsors, every part of the show. Uh, Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Okay, guys, I am really excited about this guest. Um, I've watched him on on social media for a while, maybe even like creepily, okay? Like, because I didn't reach out to him at first. I was just watching. You know, know them people that don't talk to you, they just just watch it, right? And so Mm -hmm. I was one of those guys for a long time. Here's who we got. Uh, We have... William Wilson on the program. Yes, uh, he is an award-winning celebrity clothing designer, NASCAR champion, uh, North Carolina military veterans, Hall of Fame, by the way, 2018. He's a philanthropist. He's a speaker. He's a Razorback alumni. uh, And he is an extremely successful entrepreneur. Look at him. There he is. (laughs) William, welcome to the program, man. Thanks so much for being here. Hey, man. Thanks for the invitation. I'm honored and I appreciate being invited, man. Absolutely. If you are listening to this and not watching it, then you are missing out on the ring that's on his finger that is weighing down his entire arm because he's a champion. (laughs) Uh, I love it. William, do me a favor, though, for our audience that are crazy, maybe they live under a rock and they don't know who you are. Can you Mm -hmm. tell us who you are, man? Give the story because me me giving your accolades is not giving your story. I want them to know where you come from. Man, that's. That'd be a long story, man. I've, I've done a lot of stuff in life. I just, at, at the end of the day, man, I'm, I'm a country boy from Arkansas. That's that's really who I am, man. From a little small farm town. Uh, I, I 41 people in my graduating class in high school, but I didn't go to a private school. Okay. So, like I learned how to drive on a tractor. So I've driven, like I had driven a tractor in the combine before I drove an actual vehicle. <laughs> so um, I graduated high school, went to the Navy, was in Navy eight and a half years. When I got out of the Navy, I moved to North Carolina. I really thought I'd be here for, you know, two or three years, maybe while I figured out life. And man, I was 98. So 22 years later, I'm still here. Um, I did a bunch of the odd job. My first job when I got out of the Navy, moved down here. Actually my first job, I, I spent six months in Virginia kind of tying stuff up before I moved here, trying to figure my life out. And I sold cars at a Nissan dealership, Hall Nissan. It's kind of like Hendrix's here, where it's like huge. Yeah, yeah. But like there, you could sell, you could sell on any lot that they had. Oh. So if someone came looking for like, trying to decide between like an Accord, a Camry, or an Altima, or a Maxima, I could take it to our Toyota dealership. Oh, wow. Be in my dealership, or go to a Honda dealership and sell them a car. Oh, wow. So, 
that was that was cool. Like taught me a lot about people, but also taught me I didn't want to sell cars because the winter times really those cars are cold. In the summer, they're really hot. Nothing worse than getting out of a really hot car. Yeah. And you get into another hot car. That's right. Just for people to tell you, well, we're gonna look around a little bit more. Now y'all sweaty and everything. Yeah. And the back of your if you're wearing shorts, the back of your legs are tired of getting burnt up from chair to chair to chair. Yeah, but we had on like suits, so it was like even oh, worse. God. Um, yeah, like we could like in the summer we didn't have to wear the jacket, but we still had the shirt and the tie on, man. You had to be, you know, professional. Yeah. But I moved down here, my first job here was managing a waffle house in Pineville. Okay. And um the I had to really call a lot of my leadership skills I learned in the Navy because halfway through my training, the guy that was training me, our area manager, quit to go work for Budweiser. So I had to kind of like teach myself the end of it and go all the way through. But I took when I took over the store, we were the number, there was 42 stores in the built in the industry, I mean in the company. And it was like a brand new store, store wasn't even a year old yet. Mm. So we were like number 42. And I took it from the number 42 store to the number two store while I was still a trainee. Wow. Because I had a lot of, I built redundancy and systems in place that really, that worked. Um, and and you, said a lot, you said a lot of that came from Navy, like from your training and, and leadership there? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so then I did that for a while. And I started doing like some temporary work that, like this temp agency. And I was doing some work for a construction company. And the guy basically offered me a job. He's like, hey, you ever thought about working in construction? I understand you're in the military. I said, only I know about construction is the process of taking wood, nails, and building houses. That I know how to blow up stuff, but I don't necessarily know how to rebuild it. So, you know, long story short, I did that for a while. Then 9-11 happened. And, you know, I was one of the last ones hired. So it's kind of like the reverse military. Last one in, first one out. Yeah. But unfortunately, I had a job before I got out of the park line because the guy had already been trying to recruit me to come work for him for his framing company. So I went to his framing company and I worked with him and kind of really just learned that part of the industry. But while I was doing it, that was up in Mooresville. So I had to like pass all the race shops and all that stuff anyway. Hmm. And well, the, the NASCAR thing's kind of, it, it all kind of works together, but putting it together, all together, the story is like a really long story. But, so, but the construction part, because I actually owned a construction company. Mm. I did, I worked with them for a few years. And then like, I, I made it really profitable. But the guy started spending his money in the wrong place. And he started, you know, this a lot of his own personal issues. So I left and started my own framing company. And all my guys came with me. And all my clients stayed with me. Because they had never actually met my boss. Mm. And it was really weird. So when I was calling, I let them know, like, hey, I'm getting ready to leave. And start, like, what are you gonna do? I said, Well, I'm starting my own business. They're like, Well, you want us to come with you? I said, Look, I'm not trying to steal you away from this guy. He said, William, you're the only person we've ever met from your company. Yeah. Said, your, your boss has never called us. He never said thank you for our business. We've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars with him. He's wow. never sent us so much as a birthday card or invited us to lunch. Zero and connection. None. There was wow. no connectivity whatsoever. He said, So if you go ahead and said, You're gonna have the same guys? Because it was the same thing with my guys that have been working for me. That he never talked to them either. So, you know, I built a relationship with them. Yeah. They all, I said, yeah, I'm going to have the same guys. They said, we're going to have the same guys, still have you. Send us a W9. We just changed the name on the check. We just continue on as, business, as usual. So I literally started a business having my own. <laughs> it was already set up. So there was yeah. nothing different. Wow. Yeah. So, and while I was doing that, um, I, when I was with my other construction company I'd worked with before 9-11, I went to a NASCAR race 
And I just went to qualifying that night. We had an ARCA race the night before. And I'm saying, I'm like, this looks kind of cool. I said, I want to do this. And a guy with me named Steve Allen, he looks, he goes, Will, look around. I looked around, and the only people that looked like me in the stands had event staff on their shirt. And he said, Will, you miss hard enough to get in NASCAR if you don't know anybody. That you don't know anybody, and you're black. Yeah. But sometimes it's, sometimes, you know, they say ignorance is bliss. Sometimes it's just it's smart to not know what you don't know. Mm. So I literally just, not, I mean, all, all the teams are in Charlotte, you know, Mooresville area. So I just literally, every team I could find, I knocked on their door and just trying to get a job with them. I wanted to drive. I actually, I went home and I developed a whole driver development program for myself. Like they had every stage to it, every process, you know, budgeted out everything. But I was like 28 years old, by the end, 20, 29. They, they wasn't hearing it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, you can be 29 and start driving. You can't be 29 and not drive, start driving when you've never raced a car before, yeah. ever. And, but um, a gentleman named Sam Bell Navis, who was, there was, I saw in the paper, this two African-American gentlemen who were gonna start their first, gonna start the first black-owned NASCAR team. I'm like, well, this might be my best chance of anything. They just starting up. I'm just trying to start up. Yeah. We can grow together. Yeah. And, I, they were out in China Grove, and I was living in Ballantyne at the time. And the guy, I drove all the way out to China Grove every day for two weeks. That's a long when I would, drive. When I would, yeah, it was like an hour and 10 minutes. One way. Every, yeah. yeah, one way. Every time I would get there, either I just missed him, oh. or I'd go the next day, and he just left. Either he just left, or I just missed him, you know, one of the two every day. And one day, I just happened to catch him. And uh, Doug Richard was the crew chief. He was actually he was actually Dale Earnhardt's crew chief for his first championship. Wow! But then, but they had so I met with that guy named Sam Bell Navis, and we talked. He said, "You too old to be trying to drive." I said these kids start driving; they're like five or six years old in go karts and things like this. So I'm like, "Well, can I at least hang around the shop." So I hung around. I did all the grunt work. I'm sweeping the floors. I'm wiping down the car. This is where we actually wrapped, that's where we actually painted cars and actually put the labels, the logos on the cars. So I did that, but you know, the, the team, the deal kind of fell apart. So I went, I'm back to knocking on doors again. And I knocked on the doors, this one team, and they, the guy let me, let me hang out. And I hung out and I decided I want to be a jack man. So I went home. I had my guys build a two foot wall to, to resemble pit wall, uh, pit road. And I bought a 45-pound weight because the jacks at the time were 35 pounds. So I bought a 45-pound weight, and I would practice in my living I marked everything off my living room. And I would practice for nine months. I practiced jumping off a pit wall, getting back on, jumping off a pit wall, getting my steps and everything together. And when the guys would finish pit practice, when they went back inside to go work, and I'd get one of the jacks, and I would just practice setting the jack, jacking up the car, releasing it. Were you already officially a part of the team at this point, or were you practicing no. before? No, yeah. I'm, I'm doing this all by myself. Like no yeah. one has any clue I'm doing this. Yes. So you have no guarantee. You just, you just grinding. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. I'm literally just, cause I just decided I want to be, I said, this is what I want to do. And there was nobody's going to teach, like no one's going to teach you to take their job. Yeah. So I would, well, I would see what I'd watch what they would do at practice. And I would practice that same thing at home where I could, I watched the workouts that they did. And I did, you know, I would do the, the workouts that the Jack man were doing. So I really just, and that's, I was just doing it on my own for like yeah, about, well, a full season, the whole season. 
and wow. no one had any clue. And you're, but you're still doing construction at the time. That's your yeah. I'm still, I'm still okay. running my gig. Okay. So I would so go up there. They, they had pit practice three times a week. Okay. So I would go up for pit practice, but, but but my guys would come. The crews kind of run themselves after a while, so I didn't need to be there all the time. I was playing 36 holes of golf four days a week. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Like I checked my job sites in the morning. I would check in the afternoon. That would be it. So, but yeah, man. So I'm I'm doing this for like. Eight nine months. So the next season, they're going to start gearing up for the you know next season. They're going to have their first or second practice. And our Jackman kind of had kind of tweaked his back. They're like, you know what? We're just practicing. No need hurting yourself, you know, for early practice. We, we're two weeks from going down to Daytona for speed weeks. So, so I'm, I beg the crew chief. I beg him for a chance. Let me just have one shot. Let me just have one chance doing this. He's like, William, you're going to mess around. By that time, they knew who I was. I mean, they're familiar. I've been there hanging out a year. They said, man, well, we, you know, I had to sign like a waiver to make sure they couldn't, so I couldn't sue them. You know, all the stuff you speak do when you do workouts. That's right, yeah. So signed all that. With their first stop, I was, I was four tenths, four and a half tenths of a second slower than their stops. Oh. So everybody's like, wait, what just happened? Yeah. Now, four, four tenths of a second in NASCAR is a long time. That's almost half a second. But think about a guy who was walking off the street, basically. You don't expect him to be that good. That's right. You expect him to be like, you're expecting a six, seven second stop, him stumbling with the jack, all this yeah. stuff. But what they didn't realize, like I've sat through practice all those times. So I knew the rhythm mm. of the lugs for that team. Like I knew the front, the two changers, I knew their rhythm of their guns. So I could hit like zoom, 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 zoom. So I'm listening. I'm listening for 10 lugs hitting. And when I hear them, I drop. And I come around the other side. So I was used to that rhythm. So Kushi was like, wait, what the hell just happened? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we go back again, and we do it again. And by the time we finished, my last three stops were all faster than the stops they've been doing. Wow. So they put me on like a backup guy. So now I'm like, I'm sleeping in rollaway beds. I'm at the foot of the bed, all this kind of stuff. Are you on the and, payroll by the you, Huh? Are you on payroll though? No. No, still not. And no. you're still doing it. Still no, just, putting the time. Just, just putting the time, man, because it's something I wanted to do. That's right. And I'm like, this, this is my chance. I mean, it's not like I came with a pedigree. I wasn't like, yeah. you know, I wasn't a former athlete. You no, know, this kind of stuff. I'm like, just some guy that's hanging around the shop kind of deal. So, but it, it got me in the door, it got me to the tracks, it got me to this, it got me exposure, and it worked. Man. But, it's, but like the clothing part, like say I'm doing that, you know, a couple of years later we won a championship, and but I'm still, I'm still working though. So I'm working seven days a week, 38 weeks a year. Yeah. Because I'd work like, you know, Sunday, well, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and if it was doing with the truck team, we fly out Thursday. That's right. So I'm working the whole weekend, and that just wore me out. But I, used to, I decided, I said, you know what? I'm spending all this time playing golf and doing this NASCAR stuff. I said, I really, you start doing the math. I said, you know, you can only keep giving people $40,000, that make $40,000 a year, $250,000 mortgages before eventually something happens, especially with those, those, all those subprime mortgages, with right. arm, those adjustable arms, those balloon arms at five years. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you're giving it all to them at the same time, they're gonna all come due at the same time. Unless they're all individually wealthy, they're gonna go into foreclosure at the same time. Yeah. 
So that, I'm like, that's got to be bad for the economy because they're doing this nationwide. So I said, I need to start preparing myself for this. I need to start networking, getting to know people, building, you know, relationships. So I started wearing suits because I would check my job site in the morning and I'd go to any meetings that I could find. So, I, so people saw me in suits every day on the job site. And one day this, this homeowner stopped me and said, man, Will, you're just so nice. Could you help me put my wardrobe together? I'm like, man, I don't know anything about fashion. So long story short, I helped him out. He liked what I did. So he started sending people to me. So then I'm like, I'm getting so many people calling, asking me to help them. I started charging them. So I'm like, now, I'm, now they're paying me. Now I'm, again, I'm a country boy from Arkansas. We're not going to spend $200 on a suit. And I'm spend $200 an hour for somebody to evaluate your closet. Yeah. But... Oh, hold because on. Me, so, so you're on the job site. So you're mm -hmm. still running a construction company. Mm -hmm. You're doing NASCAR in between mm -hmm. running a company. Uh, mm -hmm. At some point, you you get that giant ring that's on your finger. You win a championship. I want to hear about that moment and what that felt like. Mm -hmm. But then you also find out that your style is so on point that other people are like, hey, listen, can you help me? And then you mm -hmm. go, yeah, but I'm going to charge for it. Well, not only that charge for it because I didn't want to do it. Like, I didn't want to help all these people. <laughs> And yeah. when I worked for the other construction company, we had we called it a go away price. If you didn't want to do yeah. something, you just charge it so high that people just go away. Yeah. Now again, I'm a country boy from Arkansas. We're not spending two hundred dollars like we don't just have two hundred dollars to tell you to come look at our closet. That's right. So in my mind, I said, okay, I'll do it for you. It's gonna cost you two hundred dollars an hour, two hour minimum. You guys just go, okay. Wow. And I'm like, exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, did you hear what I said? He said, yeah, I heard you. Four hundred dollars, got you. But again, I got, you got to remember, these are people built. I only did 8,000 square feet and up. I was a framing contractor. I only framed 8,000. So these people spending two and $3 million on their home. They got three, they got two or three, four kids in private school at a hundred grand. Their wife doesn't work. They got a Lexus, a BMW, you know, all, these are multi-million. They spend $400 at lunch. Yeah, yeah. No, no big deal. Yeah. Now, where I'm from, if you got a brand new Honda Accord EX, you balling. That's it. That's right. But no, Charlotte, you no, know, people buy their 16 year olds a BMW 5 Series as a starter car. And if they graduate, they'll get them a set. You know, it's a different world here. Yeah. So, but yeah, man, so it just, I started helping them out. And I'm like, man, I'm telling these guys what to go get. If I can make it for them, there may be a business in this. Okay. So you didn't so see I, it as, you didn't see it as just the consulting side. You said, I want to consult and then I want to provide the product. I want to make money the front end back. Well, I just saw an opportunity. I mean, I've been an entrepreneur my, my whole life. I was, make, I was making 25 bucks a week in the third grade selling candy. So yeah. like I've always worked to make money. How do you, so, how do you where, where did you, from a mindset standpoint, uh, William, where, where did you know that you were an entrepreneur though, right? Because some people out there, they don't really want to be an entrepreneur. They just want to make more money. Or like, mm -hmm. like the guy working for an HVAC company He's making 20 bucks an hour, but he sees that we're charging a hundred dollars an hour to the client. And he thinks, man, I'm losing all this money. I need to start an HVAC company. Not necessarily. He, is he an entrepreneur? Is she an entrepreneur? They just want to make more money. How did you know? No, 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 no. I want to create, develop, run, manage, organize, hire, fire. I want to be the owner, not just to make an extra buck, but it's my passion. How did you di differentiate those? Well, I, I think because I've always done it. I just didn't okay. really, I, I've always been an entrepreneur, but I didn't know I was. Okay. Like when I was, like when I was a kid, like I used to like wash cars and cut grass to make money. Um, like I said, I was in the third grade. I go buy 
Like, remember, like, the Nowlators? I don't know if they still make Nowlators or not. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, they got, like, five in a pack. Yeah. Well, I'd buy one for a quarter, and I'd break them up, and I'd sell them for 25 cents a piece. Uh, so, like, I'd buy a dollar worth of candy, and I'd make five bucks off of it every day. Like, it got to a point where the kids that, the kids that had money, they came to buy, like, I was the candy man. They would come to my locker every day and buy, buy their candy. Okay. So I literally was making twenty. I would come home with you know five bucks a day in quarters. That's right. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, about, I'm selling like bubble gum That's quarters. I got, I got a little bigger at. I started having like candy bars and just like I was the candy man. Yeah. You know, when I was in the Navy, we be we go out to sea and like you know we be in port for a while. I you know people guys start running out of money because like I don't drink. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't go to strip clubs. That's not my thing. But the guys that were doing it, they would burn through their money so quick. I'd loan them like a hundred bucks for 150, or 100 for 175, or 200 for 300. That kind of deal. And I said, "Here's the deal. I'm gonna give you this, but on payday, I get my money first. I don't care about the rest of your stuff. But I don't get my money first. If I don't have my money the day after payday, I'm never loaning you money again." That's it. Yeah. So I always got my money first because people always knew when they ran out of money in, in a foreign port, they could come to the bank. But I had done it so much, I was getting so much cash, I stopped actually cashing my checks. Because when I first got in the Navy, we actually got real check. You had to go to, to the bank and deposit. I went six, I went almost a year without cashing a check. Wow. But the check, the checks were only good for six months. So I had to get six months of checks reissued because I hadn't cashed them. Wow, okay. So, like I said, from doing that, like I would, we go out to see, like I rented porn. Like I literally had like get like those little. I'm not necessarily proud of this, but it is what it is. Supply and demand. There was this. I was in the shipyard when I first got to Virginia, and between the shipyard and our barracks was like this little sex shop thing. Again, I'm a country boy from Arkansas. I don't know what those. I don't even know what's inside those. Yeah. I walk inside and look. It's like blockbuster of adult videos. I'm like. And I've never seen this. So I'm like, yeah. on my mind, I'm like, wow, look at, and I'm seeing stuff that in boxes and packages that I don't even understand how they work. I'm like, this ain't for me. I get ready to walk out, but I see this big like barrel, like this plastic barrel. And it's full of like old DVDs for like $5. So I started thinking, man, sometimes we're out to sea for like weeks at a time, so months at a time. I wonder. So I bought five of them. And I bought a little portable DVD player. And I took it out, took it, we went out to see, we're gonna be out for, I think, two weeks. So I, I kind of let word down, I'm like, hey, I got some porno, you guys want it? Five, five bucks a week. No, no, it was five bucks for two nights. So I'm known, and I'm like, wow, bruh. And it was crazy how much of this stuff I'd rent now. Yeah. So that first, so I had to, I bought those five tapes and it was, 25 bucks. I made like 125 bucks while we were out to sea. I'm like, so then I just started this. I'm like, you want to, you want to, you want to buy it? I sell it to you for 750. I paid five for it. I didn't rented it a few times. Then I sell it. So I made, I'd make on average, you know, $30 per tape. So I'm making 600% interest. I mean, yeah, interest off the, I mean, profit off every video I was buying. Yeah. So it was crazy. Then we got then we got our shipyard went to Norfolk. So I, I never went to one of those shops ever again. But like that's just who I've always been. So I've always how, how been much was, before I knew how it. much was money in the motivator? You know, was it was it, this is the way I can 
maximize dollars and, and, and make money? Was it? Was there any other motivator, or was that really the primary motivator? Um, I think then, it, then it probably was the because you know, the military you don't make a whole lot of money, and I was really junior at the time too, so we were really not making money. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that if you're if you're active duty military, especially if you're enlisted and you got a wife and two kids and you're the sole breadwinner, you qualify for food stamps. Wow, yeah. Like there should be no, no way a person who's volunteering to put their life, to risk their lives at war can volunteer, for, can qualify for food stamps. Like that shouldn't, you should not be paid that poorly, but it is what it is, so. Yeah, well, yeah, we, we, we've, got, um, we've got William Wilson right here on the program. He's, he's a, uh, a clothing, design award-winning superstar uh he's he's in the hall of fame uh served our country uh he he's got a gigantic rock on his hand a championship ring from nascar <laughs> he's an entrepreneur right here on solution from the huddle um i want to just really quickly we, we we have some great sponsors of the show so we always try to give them a shout out and say thank you so speedy oil change in pineville and spartanburg we love those guys they do amazing work for us uh, Rock Box in Rock Hill. Uh, they do amazing work. If you're looking to get in shape, uh, you need to check out Rock Box in Rock Hill. And then, of course, our friends at CET Magic, Computer and IT. These guys make sure that your computers work so you can keep zooming uh, from anywhere in the world. We thank all of those folks. Uh, our show can be listened to on any podcast channel. Just search Solutions from the Huddle, or you can go to team-csg.com and check it out there. William Wilson, tell us a little bit about how you transitioned from military life because I'm really, I'm really interested. Uh, I've had the pleasure to know a lot of military folks and a lot of celebrity uh, athlete people, but then when they leave the athlete world or they leave the military world, they don't always do a good job transitioning into the business world. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't, they don't, it just doesn't happen. It sounds like you were doing so many entrepreneurial things that it was so organic for you, but I would love to hear the story of how you transitioned into what you're doing today uh, and your business as an entrepreneur, because a lot of you know, they don't get, they come through being an athlete, they come through being in the military, and then getting, getting into running a business is different. It's not the same, but you figured out how to, how to check mark all of them. How'd you transition? Um, well, before I say that, I'll give a shout out to one of your sponsors, actually. Yeah. The Speedy, the Speedy Loop in Pineville was right next to the Waffle House I was working at. Oh. I remember when they built that. I used to go there and get my oil changed there all the time. And they really, they did a great job. They always uh, looked out for me. It, yeah. it was great. Thank so it's kind of cool to have that connection. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but I think it just, I think it was easier for me because I've always had to work hard for the things I've wanted. You know, so if you always had to work hard, it's, you already got that work ethic going in because whether you're military or even as an athlete, not saying that you don't work hard as an athlete, but there's like a, there's a schedule already put together for you. You know, you're going to be at practice. You're going to do these two a days. You're going to be on base. You're going to have PT. So all those things, those are things that even if you hated it, you were going to have to do anyway. The yeah. military is structured in a manner that you're going to do it this way or you're just going to be gone. So there's, so there's no option for doing anything else. Yeah. The same thing kind of in, with professional sports, like even want to be involved in NASCAR, because like with us, like in, in NASCAR, on pit crews, our, our, our jobs, our life is you know, measured in tenths of a second. Yeah. So whereas like in football, you know, 
you know, you get a fumble, you recover, you know, you got four downs. You know, basketball, you miss a shot, you can get a rebound, shot clock restarts. With us, man, we get a bad stop. It may take you all, if you're in Martinsville, you get a really bad stop. It may take you all race to get back up towards the front if you can get mm. the lead back. Mm. So it's just, I've seen guys get fired mid-race. Really? Like, literally, like, hey, you're done. The backup guy goes in. That guy is done. Now, some, if he's good enough, he may end up in another team. But, yeah, I've seen guys fired mid-race. So it's not even that when the race is over, you're done. Like, you're done now. Yeah. Um, I, you know, and I've heard that um, former – uh, sponsor of the show, friend, client, amazing person. There's a guy by the name of Ed Watkins, um, Big Ed. They used to call him he was a gas man, and he would mm -hmm. tell me a lot of the same things. Where, you know, everybody had their role on the team, and if if one guy messed up the stop for the whole squad, um, that guy may not get a shot when the car comes back through again. He might already be benched, like yeah, in the middle man. of a race. As I've heard that. And, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, how yeah, much yeah. pressure? How much pressure is that? Well. Well, you don't think about the pressure during the stop. So, like, like with me, like once 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 I say the crew chief counting down the pit boxes, I'm like in my own zone, and the whole rest of the world just disappears. Oh, wow. in my world, like the world didn't reappear to me that I dropped the jack and I'm hearing the tire spinning. Like the tire spinning from our car or our truck was like my alarm clock to wake me back up and put everything back in color. Like the whole world was black and white to me, and the only thing that was in color was the one piece of tape I needed indicate where my jack stop was. Everything just went black and white and like grayed out to me until the stop was over. So you don't feel any pressure there. But like the first few times, man, I was like, I'm trying to get this checklist in my head. <laughs> you know, cause I'm like, I can't mess up and those kind of things. Cause that's how I got my first gig. Yeah. So it's just one of those deals. But I didn't really just think it's just, it's what's in you. Like there's some athletes that transition really well into business because they have a natural work ethic. Okay. And they understand this isn't forever. Yeah. Um, it, it's just not. It's not forever. You know, a, a really, really a ridiculously long NFL career is 20 years. Yeah. You can spend 20 years as a civilian in one company and then go work somewhere else. So I've always just, and I like to just try stuff. Like I've always been that person that said, I don't want to be 80 years old wishing I'd done stuff. I want to be 80 years old telling stories of things that I've tried. Yeah, that's you awesome. Know, and I'm, I'm single with no children, so if I wanted to try something, I'd just take a shot at it. I've, I've succeeded at some stuff and had really great success. I failed at some things. But I just think you just have to give yourself a shot and put yourself in a position to know, okay, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, I can't do this. And if you realize something that you just can't do, it's just not for you, be okay walking away from it. Mm. You know, you have to. But, but my thing, so you got to make sure you, you swallow your pride before you get started. Because entrepreneurship, life in general will humble you, but some people have so much hubris and arrogance that they can't learn the lesson. Come on. So my thing is never be so proud to say, you know what? I didn't know how to do it. Because there's peace in that. There's comfort in that. And there's a certain level of just relaxation in that. Because if I fail at something, I try something that doesn't work, I go on Facebook and go, man, I tried. It just... I suck at this. I really sucked at this. So I guess it's not for me. So now, now I've, I've released that burden from me. Yeah. But you'll get people that will, you know, the worst is my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Or my, my burden is easy, my yoke is, yeah, my, yeah, my burden is light. Yeah. So, but I think some people, they carry, because they're like, they want to make sure, it's like if I say, say, Titus, I want to do this. 
I'm my ego gets so big, I can't let you see that I failed at something. Yeah. So instead of me just saying, you know what, I need to just let this go, I keep pouring into it and pouring mm. into it. It's like I'm trying to make uh, one of these days Enron is gonna come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? But you just but people their ego and their arrogance and their pride gets involved. The worst is pride comes before the fall. That's right. So their their pride gets involved. So instead of walking away, just owning the fact that that's just something you weren't good at, they yeah. keep going into it. They start making excuses or these kind of things. They stick around way too long, or they won't ask for help. Mm. You know, they well, think you know, you know, William. I, I've also seen that a lot of times we don't do a good job as as friends, as family, as leaders, telling somebody, hey, you know what? Maybe this ain't your thing. You know, like sometimes we lie to folks, don't we? And, and we, I tell clients this all the time. If you're going in the wrong direction, you don't need motivation. <laughs> you don't need to be motivated to keep going in the wrong. You need to, be, somebody need to be able to say, hey, listen, guess what? Bust that U-turn, walk it back. If you committed to run a mile, but you find out that three quarters of the mile, there's a cliff. You ought to not finish that mile run. <laughs> <laughs> not you, that way. Not that yeah. way. And so... I think that we lie to ourselves and maybe we even lie to other people because we want to be nice or whatever. We don't need to be mean about it. But I think I think there's some beauty in truth saying, hey, you know what? It's okay to turn around, pick a different direction. You know, this maybe wasn't your thing. It doesn't mean that you, you're incapable, but you, your skills and talents might be here and here and you're not really in those because you, you're doing something that's not in your highest and best use. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And But people have to be willing... Like you be, the world's best teacher will fail if the person isn't willing to take instruction. Come on, that's right. And some people are so determined, they're like, you're just a hater. Like Titus Hughes trying to hate on me. You don't want to see me shine. That's right. And I'm like, look, what you eat don't, what you eat don't fill me up. That's it, come on. Like, like no, no matter how, I sell suits. No matter how successful, and, you're, and, I, and I have a podcast too, I'm gonna have you come on. But, oh, thank you. You know, but. No matter how big your podcast gets, if you have the biggest podcast in the history of podcasts, that doesn't affect my suit selling at all. That's it. But yeah. some people will look and say, you know what? You know, if you if you try to give advice because you've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs, you hear one of your friends doing something, you're like, man, I just had a guy who did that same thing last week and it blew up in his face. Hey man, you may want to try this some way different. Man, you're just trying to hate him. You're just trying to hate him. You just want to, you just want to, you just try to steal my shine. You don't want to see me come up. No, I'm just trying to. No, I ain't trying to. You just trying to hate on me. Yeah. Why it's like you get the subliminal tweets. Well, I don't know why so many haters in the world and all this other stuff. <laughs> and it's just like, dude, some sometimes you just suck. <laughs> sometimes your idea sucks, and sometimes you're just not the person to do it. It's That's a really right. good idea. You're just not the person to do it. That's right. That's right. You know, a hail yeah. mary is a great a great idea when it's two seconds left. You don't want William Wilson when throwing that ball or catching. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Because you know, that's not my skill set. Yeah. But some people just their ego and their arrogance and the hubris they have won't let them do this or won't let them ask for help. So yeah. you know you need to get better, but you won't they won't let you won't let them ask. But they have trust issues and control issues. Okay. One thing I've learned is adults are and Tom Feldman, I used to do a lot of leadership consulting with, he told he said this phrase, he said, adults are just deteriorated children. Mm. Which we just are. There's a reason 70-year-old men still laugh and pull my finger and fart jokes. That's it, yeah. If they laughed at it when they were 16, they still laugh at it now. Yep. What, gave, what gives you a, a girl butterflies at 16 gives her butterflies at 61. That's right. Because we are who we are. Mm. We just have to, we learn to adapt to the world we're in, 
but who we really are never really changes. Mm. Sometimes we just have to suppress it to survive what we're doing and deal with what we're dealing with. Or is that necessarily, we all, we all want to be a kid, but we got 14 children and $75,000 in bills and we're yeah. two checks going bankrupt. You don't have time to, to, enter, to entertain your inner child. Yeah. So you That's have to suppress so that. That's so true. Uh, we're talking right here with William Wilson, uh, philanthropist, entrepreneur, Hall of Famer, served our country right here on Solution from the Huddle. Um, here's how I want to finish this off. First of all, thank you. Um, so My many, pleasure. So many nuggets, uh, so many beautiful things through perseverance and consolidating efforts and, and trying and staying curious and, 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 but also realizing truth of maybe the same, I think so many wonderful nuggets. I hope everyone's taking notes. Um, I hope they're hitting rewind and, and listening to it again. Sometimes we got to hear something three, four times, uh, before we okay. get it. Right. And so I hope people will, will, will listen to this one over and over, but I want us to finish off the show talking a little bit about the successful business that you run today. Tell us the name of it. Tell us the website. How can people, cause listen, y'all, this dude is fly. I've seen the pictures. Okay. And he, he, I'm telling you, he, he, he looks right. Okay. Um, and, and I may need to hit him up and have him look in my closet. Uh, I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm a sweater vest guy. I don't do the suits, but I guarantee you that, that you're not limited in fashion. I've seen, and, and you got a lot of awards. Tell the folks a little bit about the successful business that you're running right here in North Carolina and how they can, how they can connect with you. The uh, name of the company is William Wilson Clothing. My website is WilliamWilsonClothing.com. Uh, my Instagram is William Wilson Clothing. The web, the on Facebook for the business is Wear William Wilson. Um, all my other stuff, pretty much the clothier, my Twitter, Instagram, all the rest of it is the clothier. T H E C L O T H I E R. And as you say, I'm an award-winning celebrity clothing designer. I won the Fashion Icon Award with Plus Marketing here in Charlotte. Wow. I'm the personal tailor for D.L. Hughley, Eddie Griffin. I mean, she's with George Lopez, Oscar De La Hoya, about 75 NFL guys, NBA guys, you know, just anybody. But my, oddly enough, my target market is regular everyday business people. Okay. That's always been my, celebrities have never been my target market. Yeah. Um, so I really just know regular everyday business people. I've got, I start off only doing custom, but now I have ready-made suits because I want to be able to take you, again, I'm a country boy from Arkansas. I believe if I give you a great product, at a great price, you'll stay with me and we can build that relationship. We can grow together. Yeah. So I like to take you from college to the corner office. Come on now. So you Say can start off. I can get no, you a nice. No, time out. No, that was too cool. Say that again. From where to where? That was, I like that. I like to take you from college yeah. to the corner office. Come on. That is cool, man. I like that. Because, you know, you may say, well, man, I only got $200. I can put you in a really nice suit because I don't carry inventory. I have some vendors in California. I don't carry inventory. You say, Will, I need a really nice navy suit or a nice black suit or whatever. I can get you a nice entry-level suit for $200 that would be three or $400 in a store. Yeah. And then as you build up, you say, okay, well, we want to get a little nicer suit than this, but custom's still not my budget. I can get you in a nice, even nicer ready-made suit for, you know, four or $500 that would be eight, $900 in a store. Mm. And then you move up to custom. I own my whole custom operation. I get you a nice custom suit starting at, you know, 750, 800 bucks. But you want to just go all out, as they say, all out, balls out. I can put you in a suit that's $20,000 that has your name stitched and woven into the wool where it's woven into the fabric. Wow, yeah. So I can take you as, as I, you want, I, can, I can get you in a, I can put you in a $50,000 suit. You want to get like gold stitching and 
diamonds in the buttons and all this stuff. Yeah. But just, I think it's ridiculous to do. <laughs> but if you wanted to, you know, yeah. we could. So is there a, a place where people can see the, the different suits physically or is it just an online experience? No, I'm actually, we're actually in the process of moving. COVID's kind of really thrown, you yeah. know, stuff like this. I'm, re, I'm moving to 811 Providence Road in Myers Park. I'm moving over there. That's myself, Magnolia, Magnolia Emporium. A lot of us are moving over there together. Uh, Coffee Thompson Art Gallery, all moving there. But so they got to upfit the building. Most of my upfit is done. I got to paint a couple of walls. And I, but for what I do, I don't need a lot of space. It's easy for me to do what I do. But, you know, like I said, COVID and they're still upfitting their spaces. So those kind of things are happening. But COVID worked out for me because I started learning how to trade Forex. So trade what? Trade Forex, uh, currency exchange. Okay. I've been learning how to do that during this whole COVID thing. Okay. So I can make money 24 hours a day, five days a there week because the market's open. Entrepreneur, man. Keep finding the different uh, verticals of revenue. Um, here is, uh, what about people that, you know, I'm a big dude, man. One of my biggest issues is finding stuff to fit. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm, there's no doubt I'm the best looking guy in my weight class. Let's just get that out the way. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm a big dude. And so finding stuff is not always super easy. How, how much of what you do uh, speaks to somebody that's maybe tall and lanky or short and stocky or, or whatever. Is it, is it custom to where, you know, the person can feel comfortable, get measured and stuff's going to fit right. Um, or, or do you have to be a certain shape to, to, kind of play in your sandbox no i mean that's the beauty of custom custom is made to you okay um actually i've been named charlotte's best custom clothier seven times by um upscale um what's now i can't think of the name of it uptown elevate uptown that's elevate, elevates lifestyle elevates okay. lifestyle you know best custom best custom clothier seven times wow. but like you take like coach ray brown he'd be the offensive line co coach for the panthers He's one of my guys. You know, he's 6'6", 380. You know, the security guy that I would use when I would go like to the Grammys and stuff, he's 6'9", 385. But like I said, all I, the, tape, the tape is what it is. So I just measure you, measure it to your body. And we make a pattern. We don't, I don't do made to measure. I do true custom. So I'll measure you. We make a pattern specifically for your body. Wow. Okay. So say you were a triplet. And you are identical triplets. I would still measure all three of you individually mm. because there's gonna be something like one shoulder may be a quarter inch higher than the others, and one's one leg may be longer. There may be there's gonna be little differences and idiosyncrasies about each one of you that are different. But when that suit is made to you, and we make a pattern specifically for you. So as long as your pat as long as your measurements don't change, I can you can just call me up. I have, most of my guys just text me pictures now. They say, Hey Will, can you like my guys that play like for the Seahawks or the 49ers, whatever, they'll text me a picture and say, Hey, Will, can you make this picture, make this for me? Or they'll watch Power and say, Man, hey, Will, go check out Power. You know, Ghost got this suit on at the two minute and 37 second point. That suit, I want that suit right there. So now I got to go watch Power to that <laughs> point and then see the suit, screenshot it, and those kind of things. And you already but, have their measurements, so you don't have to. Yes, yeah, so I don't have to see them. I've got, I've got clients that have probably bought 20 suits from me over the last four or five years that I haven't seen them in person in that entire time. Wow. Wow. Um, man, I, I, that's so cool. Give them the website one more time because I, I know I'm, a, I'm probably going to be a customer, and I know a lot of our listeners are. Uh, where, how, where do they need to go? Give it to them again. WilliamWilsonClothing.com. 
It's easy, guys. Uh, click the button. It sounds like anywhere from 200 bucks from college to the corner store or from the corner office. Yep. Uh, he, William can take care of you. Um, our show, all of our technology, everything, uh, we're also powered by Easy Living Technologies. They're a really wonderful custom audio video automation company in North Carolina taking care of residential and commercial. We love them uh, and making all our technology do amazing things. William, before we close out the show and be done all together, one last tip. What's the one thing you want to tell folks, uh, people that are uh, right now sitting working for somebody going, I want to, I want to start something. Um, uh, man, I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I'm talented enough. I don't know if I have the resources, but, but man, I want to try, but I'm scared or whatever they're dealing with. What's the one mm -hmm. thing that we close the show out to motivate, inspire, put, put some insight into some hearts. Well, it, it wouldn't be one. It's, it's four parts. Okay. Four. One, three, yeah, three of your whole, three of you not religious, four of you are one, Develop a relationship with God yeah. because there can be times when no one's going to believe in you. So it's just you and God. Two, learn the rules for yourself. If you let someone else tell you what the rules are, you're always going to be left to what they tell you it is. They're going to put you in their own box, especially if they think you're competition. If you know the rules for yourself, you know what you really know what your opportunities are. Mm. Two, three, don't get caught up in color. Don't get like, I talk a lot of you know, minorities and stuff. They're like, man, the white man, this, this, like, don't get caught up in color. At the end of the day, the only colors that really matter are green, white, and gray. Come on. If you can make a person that hates your guts will still hire you if you think you can make them money. If you can make them rich, they'll keep you employed, even if they don't invite you over for dinner. Mm. And number four, broke people give broke advice. Mm. Now, now, I don't mean broke from a fiduciary standpoint. I mean yeah. a broken mind. A broken mind can only produce broken thoughts. A broken thought only produces broken speech. The Bible says, from a man's heart, he shall speak. So broken people only speak from a broken position. That's why you listen to a successful person. You have a successful person, your idea, and they'll tell you, I see you trying to go with this. You may want to tweak it a little bit like here or there. If you tell a, a broken-minded person your idea, especially if it's lofty, man, I, I don't know why I tried that, man. That's too hard. It's too rough because they're already broken. They're already telling you why it won't work because they're seeing their failure in you. They're mm -hmm. broken, so they, they, can't, they can't see your world the way you see it. So that'd be the things too, just those four things. And then just, just try it. It's better to try it and fail than spend the rest of your life wishing you could have because I guarantee you within a year, the idea you had, someone's gonna try it and it's gonna be working. Yeah. So just try it for yourself. I love it. Those four legs will build, will, 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 will build the foundation of a table probably where you can eat and, 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 and be successful the rest of your life. William, will you come back to the show? Will you come back and do this again? Man, anytime. I'll come back tomorrow if you want me to. I love it. <laughs> hey guys, Titus Bartolotta here, your host for Solutions from the Huddle. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in today. And if you want to stay involved and engaged in the show, be sure to check out all major podcast channels by searching for Solutions from the Huddle. Thanks again for your support. We hope you come back.